But Colossians 3, starting at sentence 1, going through to 17. Colossians 3, 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God. Hey everyone, Um, my name is Cam, I'm one of the leaders here. Thanks for being here, so good you are here, Um, right on. (laughs) Um, if this is your first time here, you know, a special warm welcome to you. We've got, um, we've got birds coming through the door out the front, so it's great. Everyone wants to be here today, so uh, thanks for being here. Um, this is a great passage to be looking at. I've been looking at this passage over the, for like the last few weeks, been reading it kind of nearly every day, and um, I'm stoked to look at it now with you all. Um, so how about we pray and ask for God to kind of speak to us through this passage. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your kindness to be revealed to us now. Please use this passage to help us set our minds and hearts on the things that are above. That we may draw closer to you, trusting that your path is good and your way is a delight for us. Lord, if if we're feeling burdened right now, and if our minds are, are racing with thoughts, just give us clarity. Give us peace now to hear from you, the loving Father of all. Amen. Well, uh, I'm, I'm super excited for holidays coming up uh, at the end of the year. I haven't had a proper holiday since January, so like I'm feeling it. Um, but this year, my, my family and I were going over to the UK, uh, which is cool. We do this kind of once every eight years to have a big family hoorah with my Scottish and English family. And um, my granny has kindly given my brothers and I um, some money to then, after that, go skiing in France. Ooh la la. Yeah. Man, dude, yeah. And I'm really keen for this. Um, 
The last time I went skiing was, was when I was in year nine in high school. Uh, and it was, it was part of our, our outdoor education program um, uh, where we, we, we went on a trip for uh, six days. We went three days where we kind of went out into this remote kind of camp, did some cross-country skiing, spent time in a remote camp, and then three days of downhill skiing. Um, and I remember heading down to the snow and um, arriving. We get our, our packs on our backs and we start making our, our way, our snow boots on, and, and go through the snow. Um, my, my little group, my little party was, uh, was staying at home base one night, and then the next day, we were going to what was the remote, remote camp. So we had to trek our way out there, and it was there that we were going to learn about, like, how to build snow caves and cool stuff like that. Um, so we head out the next day, and we arrive at the camp to then be told that a blizzard is coming, and we pretty much have to stay in our tent for the whole day. Yeah, thank you for your compassion. <laughs> um, so I had to be in this tent with um, my mate Pat. Uh, we, were, we were stuck in this tent for like a day. Um, our guides who were with us uh, made us dinner in the blizzard, thankfully. I know private school kids, am I right? <laughs> uh, but, but me and Pat, um, we were there and we were stuck. And uh, we, were, we were busting to go outside to build these snow caves. And also literally busting to go outside to go to the toilet. Um, and it got heated at one point because Pat, Pat was breaking. And uh, he was saying something like, Cam, I just can't take this anymore. I need, to, I, I need to use my water bottle, do you know? And I was like, you hold that in, Pat. I don't want any of that business like, spilling around in this tent. What a good friend I was, I know. It got tense. Anyway, Pat braved it and went out into the blizzard, came back. Um, but I just thought, this sucks. Like, I just want this to be over. Um, I'm sick of this tent. I'm sick of the blizzard. I'm sick of Pat. I want out of this tent. Uh, the next day, the, the blizzard passed, and, and we went outside finally. Basically, we then had to just walk back to the main base. We couldn't build our snow caves. I sad. But uh, it was an awful, awful night being stuck in the blizzard. We were captive to this blizzard. And, and look, it's, it's not a great feeling, is it, to be captive by something, is it? When you, when you feel trapped and feel like you'll, you'll never get out. Uh, there's often a feeling of, of hopelessness, really, when you're captive by something. Of when will this end? Why can't I, I beat this thing and be done with it? I wonder if for you here, I wonder if you, you feel captive by something in life right now. I wonder, do you, do you feel like you are struggling to get out of way of living? Get out of that way of living, to, to, to live for something more desirable. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you might be in a place where you've just conceded, well, this is just going to be my pattern of life, um, and this is how I sin, and I'm just going to keep on doing this because I just can't break from it. It can often be when we're, when we're in this kind of way of thinking, we, we ask the question as well, do I, even, do I even belong as a Christian? Is there any gain for me living this way? We can feel like we're trapped in a blizzard with no one to help. And we can feel alone. You might be here today and skeptical of the claims of Jesus and think that, 
you know what, the, this, the Christian life is just this mundane list of do's and don'ts. Well, what this passage is teaching us today is that the questions to these are found in, in what it means for your identity to be in Jesus. That as we set our minds and hearts on the things above, that there is fullness to be found in Christ with our identity secure in Him. And so as we look at the passage, it's important to remember what the church in Colossae was dealing with because this is what Paul is addressing. He's addressing an actual people group. Uh, This was a a newish kind of church uh, that Paul had most likely never even been to, Um, but his ministry had had impacted greatly. Uh, These were young Christians who were really prey for wolves, which is uh, a way the Bible sometimes describes as as false teachers uh, coming in. And, and, And Paul is writing to protect and warn them of the potential false teaching that's creeping into the church. Uh, there was concern uh, brewing that the Colossians uh, were engaged in kind of uh, wanting kind of spirituali- spirituality and, and wanting more, or, or wanting kind of to reach a higher plane of spiritual thought. And so he was concerned over heresy. And he was concerned over heresy that would shift their focus from who they are in Christ and miss the fullness that they have in Him. And so in light of this, he calls them to a new life by first making them understand what it means to be a new person in Christ. So let's read again what he says in sentence 1 to 4. It will come up on the screen. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Paul starts off this section by by telling them that their identity um, is being raised with Christ. But what does it mean to be raised with Christ? Well, this is is really something that that Paul has been hammering on over the last kind of chapter or so. Um, uh, And... That we, have been, that we have died with Christ and that we are raised with Him. And so if you look on the screen, in chapter 2, uh, sentence 12, says, Having been buried with Him, talking to the Colossians, in baptism, in which you were also uh, raised with Him through faith. It says again in, in chapter 2, sentence 13, God made us alive together with Him. And again in sentence 20, If with Christ you died. And, and this is the point. Jesus' death and resurrection has united those who believe in Jesus with him. And through this being raised, we are given new life. No longer are we linked and bound to the old ways of things, to kind of earthly things, uh, to living in sin and and the things of the world. But Jesus has severed those links through his death and through his resurrection, new links are formed with a new heavenly order. Uh, if you've seen The Matrix, it's like that scene where just after Neo takes the pill, the, the main character, the one, um, he's awakened and he find, finds himself in this weird, creepy pod and he's got all these wires attached to him and tubes and things and connecting him and they're detached from his body and he is freed from the world and brought into a new one. And this is the idea that Paul is wanting to show. 
that we have new life. And because of this, our lives ought to be different. Because Jesus has new life, we have new life. Uh, We are united with him and we have a brand new identity. And that identity is Jesus. We, We have no other life apart from that which is in Jesus. And because of this new identity, Paul says, be up on the screen, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you want to know how to live this life now, this new life with Jesus, look upward to the kingdom of God, where Jesus is at the right hand of God. Continually look upward to the things of his kingdom. To lower our eyes to earthly things would, would be to miss the glory of this new life. But what is this really? Like, what does this kind of look like in in practice? Does this mean that we should all kind of just, you know, abandon all our jobs, all our responsibilities? Um, Should we just go to some remote location and just meditate all all day, set our kind of mind in that way? Do we detach from all things? When it comes to our day-to-day lives, does this mean that, that Christians should even consider having jobs? Should we consider being teachers or, or nurses or fashion designers or in finance? Should we be worried with, with being good wives or good husbands, brothers and sisters? Is Paul calling us to be like remote monks? Well, no, he isn't, thankfully. Uh, and what he means is when he, when he says to set our minds on things above... And not the things that are on earth. He's really saying, you can't live for both Christ and live for sin. You you can't set your mind on the kingdom of God and also set your mind on sin. That's better. <laughs> All right. So what is setting your minds and things above? <laughs> to set our minds and seek the things above is to, is to gaze at Jesus and have kingdom eyes. Um, kingdom eyes that, that seek out his beauty and grace 
to, to be done in the world and in ourselves. Uh, it is to understand God's will that the thoughts of Christ, his thoughts, become our thoughts. That his love becomes our love. Uh, it is to think, I'm not going to be something other than who I am in Christ. I'm going to live out the reality of being raised with Christ every day. And Paul goes on to say that um, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That my being and myself has merged with Christ. It is to be on his team in all things. It is to think as he thinks. I wonder, what do you think about when you have nothing else to think about? What consumes your thoughts? If you're a follower of Jesus, how often will your mind just wander to the things of heaven? You know, I know for me, it is rare my mind will go there if I'm pursuing the things of the world. I'm a battler. Uh, I need to fight in order to seek the things that are above. I need to fight to know who I am and to think that myself is, is so clearly set in Jesus. And it's made even more difficult, the, the, the walk of a Christian, because Satan is engaged in identity theft. He wants to take you away from where you are right now. He wants to muddy the water. He wants you to forget this. He, he wants you to entertain the sin in your life in hope that he'd fool you into forgetting who you are right now before God. And Paul is aware of this. He, he's aware of the false teaching that is lurking around the Colossians. And he makes it clear, we need to end sin in our lives, and we need to put on this new identity. And so he shifts now to, to very practical ways we do this. He says in sentence 5, have a read with me on the screen. Sentence 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul's point here is we need to end sin in our lives. You want to be serious about this? Now put what is earthly in you to death. Permanently end this sin. There, there isn't much room here. He says, uh, seek to put to death sexual immorality, which here is, is sex outside of marriage. He says, put to death impurity, which is lustful thoughts and actions. He says, put to death passion, which is to be kind of dominated by your emotions that will kind of lead to, to sexual behavior. He says, put to death evil desire, which is to be against goodness in your thinking. Kind of like having twisted or, or, or wicked thoughts. He says, put to death covetousness, which is like greediness, which is saying, I, I need this thing in order to be satisfied. And then I need this thing to be satisfied. And then that thing is not satisfying. So I need this thing. Kind of a materialistic way of living. All these things, all these things are not compatible with your new life. They go against God's will. And they set our mind on the mud and not on the kingdom. And these are things that God will judge harshly. You might be here and thinking, aha, I knew it. Christians are just about rules. Here, here is the list of rules of what not to do. 
Christianity is what I thought it was. It's just about being a good, more kind of moral person. But about, that, that can't be the case when you read this. There is nothing here that says, do this and you'll be right with God. This isn't the, the pathway to God. This isn't kind of religion. Everything is already done. You're already united with Jesus through his blood and resurrection. If, if you believe in him. And this is the gospel, that God has already finished the work on the cross. Your status is pure before God. But here's the other reason why this isn't kind of religion. This, this way of life, or as Paul puts it, the, the self that you put on, isn't just about you. It, it is Christ you put on. Not for selfish gain. Not kind of for your own personal spiritual enlightenment or self-improvement. All these things flow out from seeking the kingdom of God on earth. This isn't a program you undertake to feel better about yourself. Instead, being a kingdom of God person is to be renewed by the Spirit of God to affect others positively. And I don't know if you, if you noticed when you were kind of reading through it, but this list of stuff in the passage, they're, they're all relational. Notice these, these vices, Paul says, are in relationship to other people. He says, put away, it'll be up on the screen. He says, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. These behaviors have other people in mind. And in particular, Paul is saying these behaviors have, have the church in mind. That these things can't exist in the church if it is to be united. If we're going to pursue being mature Christians, putting sin to death and setting our minds on things above, we're going to have to start to think about this as, as unity as one body. One people. A, a team working together, not just as individuals. Individualism can't exist in the church. We ought to be one team. And I wonder, if you were to look at how you relate to others here with this list, do you think you're on God's team right now? Well, the, uh, the draw for the teams of the 2018 Football World Cup happened yesterday morning. Um, now, the World Cup is my uh, favorite time of ever. Um, <laughs> I'm in another place when the World Cup is on. Um, but back in, in 2014, in the last World Cup, the two best players in the world, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, were asked the same question by a reporter. Uh, they were asked at their respective training camps, um, what do you want to achieve at this World Cup? Ronaldo, here he is. Yeah, there he is. Ronaldo responds by saying, I want to be known as the best player in the world. Boo. Am I right? Boo. Lionel Messi. There he is. Best player of all time. I would love to take you through the stats on why this is the case, but I will grace you with not doing that. Lionel Messi. There he is. Ask the same question. What do you want to achieve at this World Cup? And he replies, he says, I want to do my part in helping my team win the World Cup. 
messy. Two very different responses. Ronaldo, all about himself and his own glory. Messi, all about the team. And he was all about the team and getting them to the end. Would you say that right now you are for God's team to the end? Uh, We, the church, we're we're almost meant to be like a team, uh, concerned about each other. Um, But so often, though, as a church, we're a church of individuals seeking our own glory. Paul shows, however, that we're we're meant to reflect the unity that Jesus brings in the gospel. And that is this, that, that there is no Greek. It'll come on the screen, yep. There is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is awesome. Hear this now. In Christ, people, groups, races, ethnicities in the world, they're they're broken down. We are in Christ, in his team, and he in us. He unites all people from all spectrums of life. You know, whether you are kind of lower class or upper class, whether you're left-leaning or you're right-leaning, whether you like role-playing Dungeons and Dragons or keeping up with Kim, he unites all people. We, the church, we are, we are this weird mix of people that Jesus unites because of his love. And you know what this means? All these variety of people. Well, it means that people in church are, are really going to annoy us. There will be people here who you just rather have nothing to do with. It means it would be very easy to, to fall into earthly thoughts and, and not seeking things above that, that we're not united. To be irked by people here. So if we were to go through this list now and thinking through unity, is there someone here who you're just really angry with? Someone at church or, or someone maybe in your small group who just really riles you up? Have you had ill thoughts towards that person? Have you recently slandered someone here? Have you lied to someone here recently? And can I ask, was any good brought from it? It may have felt good for a moment, but was there any long-term goodness to be found from, from slandering someone? Look, I want to admit to you all, this is something I can so quickly fall into. Uh, Before I know it, I've paid someone out, or I've not been for their good. I can just so quickly turn from from being all, to being all about myself, to being all about me and my worth, than considering others. I can just shut down and go into my own head and get annoyed at others, then consider them. And if you're anything like me, well, we need to deal with this for the sake of each other. If you were to look at your, your attitudes and, and contributions to church life, could you confidently say you've been for unity? If you're in a place where those vices stood out to you, don't let sin creep in. Put it to death. I think what this passage suggests is, is you need to take the step, and you need to go to the person you might be struggling with, 
you know, it might be weird and it might be awkward, but if you go with the mindset of setting your mind and your heart on things above, you'll be fine. For Christians, there, there's this ongoing battle that we need to put to death the earthly nature. And it is so easy to, to forget that, that our sin actually affects the unity we have. So confess it and put it to death. It's not automatic that we would seek the things above and kill sin. We actually need to make the step to do so. And so we're to end sin. And Paul shows us how we do it. Notice how he says in sentence 12, he says again about our identity. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other. Paul says we are are to clothe ourselves with the new life, which is one of compassion, of kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, all these things reigning in everything that we do in all our actions. And again, these are all relational. We are to put on love together, the love of God which will carry us to do these things. We are to be what our identity says we are. That if you are in Christ and you've been forgiven much, if you are His holy and beloved chosen ones, be it. Put on the characteristics that were Jesus' characteristics and behaviors. Put on humility as Jesus hung on the cross as his creation kills him. Put on compassion as, as Jesus looks on to his torturers and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Put on patience as Jesus is patience with these people who mock him. Put on love that would die for these people. Put on this love that will bind all things together. You are called into one body. So be one body. Don't be a sad little island by yourself, but seek to be what you've called into in the love of Jesus. At the start, Paul told us to to set our minds on things above, and now he says, set your hearts on the things above by following Christ's way of living. He doesn't say, if if you're finding sin hard, look to Jesus and set your heart on him. If you're feeling alone and, and struggling to get out of sin, set your mind and your heart on his kingdom and be as he was. But, but also, if you're finding sin hard and you're stuck in that blizzard, you need to know you actually can't do this alone. You need others, and they need you too. And so how are we going to do this together? Well, Paul wraps up this section with some practical ways. Read with me. Sentence 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the, to God the Father through Him. 
if we're going to press on in setting our mind and hearts on things above and do everything, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we really need to, to press into our relationship with God. And we need to do this together. We need each other to teach about Jesus and where our identity lies. We need to advise each other on, on how to end sin. You know, like we need to sing and, and to each other and fill our hearts with joy. After this sermon, please just like pump it out, like, like sing crazily. We need each other urgently if we're to let Christ rule our hearts. Our hearts, they, they easily wander. And we need to be there in love to guide each other. Did you know that there's, there's a team in, that looks after keeping um, Big Ben in London ticking on time? There's a whole team. There's a whole team of engineers under the direction of, and this is actually his title, the keeper of the great clock. <laughs> That's legit this guy's title. Um, they have to, this team has to wind the clock three times a week and make sure the clock is maintained. Uh, they make sure the clock keeps correct time, is reset when daylight savings comes. Uh, there is a whole team that looks after the maintenance of all the, the things and the weights and the pulley systems to make sure that this great clock keeps ticking. And if something goes wrong, the team is there. But here's the thing. One person cannot keep this thing ticking. Big Ben is too massive, and the weight system, it's too complex for one person alone. It isn't designed for one person to look after. Its design is too complex. It needs a team of people. In the same way, God has given us a team, the body of Christ. We've got different strengths, different gifts, to make sure that our hearts are correctly aligned and ticking to the tune of His way. If we're going to be a church that, that presses on together, we need to step up, and we need to be in each other's lives. We need to be helping the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's all kind of well and good, but I don't really feel or think I have much to contribute. And let me tell you this. Satan loves that you think that way. Satan loves it when you pull away and don't consider loving each other as utmost important. He loves that. You know, Satan, Satan knows more about the importance of church than you or I. So here's the first step, and I know, I know we hark on about this at City Light, um, but it's in the passage, so I can, but we just need to be in the Word, and we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to let the Word be dwelling in us richly. We need to, to start memorizing verses. Like, I'll admit, I haven't, I haven't bothered trying to memorize a verse in it for months, maybe longer, probably longer. Let's go with much longer. We need to start reading books about this. We need we start just like just saturating ourselves with biblical thought. If you want, get this book. This book is great. It's up the back. It's cheap and it is awesome. It's called Seeking and Savoring Jesus Christ and it'll align your heart to want to follow him more and more as you see his beauty. Get it. It's great. 
Get all these things. Read much. Share what you're learning with each other. But here's the thing as well. Don't do this begrudgingly. Because Paul says we're to do this with thankfulness in our hearts. Thankfulness to, to God is a mark of a healthy church who is united. Thankfulness is, is a mark of a church whose minds and hearts are th- set on the things above. It is the mark of a people who know what, they have, uh, what has been done for them and how they ought to respond. Like thankfulness, it, it unites a church. So dive in and share what you're learning in thankfulness with one another. Experience the fullness of life when you seek the things above and be thankful. And if you're here and, and you don't follow Jesus, the question for you is, is really consider, is this worth it? Uh, whether you think that Jesus brings fullness and whether you'll take up the forgiveness from God for your actions in life. Whether that you see that the unity that Jesus brings is one of beauty. But I, I want to end now on a quick story. Um, seven years ago, I was humbled in a way I will never forget. Uh, I went on a trip with my old church uh, to India, and we were teaching a course on the introduction to the Bible uh, and on the book of Romans. Um, It was um, through the Indian Gospel League, uh, an organization, uh, and we were actually teaching pastors and ministers in churches from all of southern India. There were men there at this conference that had been pastors longer than I'd been alive. And yet, as we sat around, and as I led them through the course, at no point did they ever think that they were too good or knew enough to hear from some punk 20-year-old. These were men who traveled for hours and hours. Some of them traveled for days to get there, to be taught and to to understand Scripture more. They were poor. Some of them were, were super poor, but they wanted to understand more and more the riches of Christ, that they might then go out and help their churches love God more. They were never smug. They were never rude. They were kind. And they taught me far more of what it means to be a follower of Jesus than the course that I ran them through ever could. Uh, in India, it's, it's culturally appropriate to, uh, for men to hold hands. It shows friendship there. And I remember praising God with these people as we did worship They had no band, but one guy just starts clapping. And everyone just starts singing, and they join in. And I remember during worship, one of the older guys, one of the much older guys, he reached out and he held my hand and he looked at me with thankfulness to God. It is my prayer that we would be a humble people like this as we seek to understand God more. Will you pray with me?
Father, we thank you that you are the one who has done everything for us. That on the cross, as Jesus' blood is spilt, that as you raise him to new life, that we too have new life. Thank you for this great news. Thank you so much that it brings us fullness in life now. Thank you that we are raised with you. Lord, help us right now. Whatever is going on, that whatever distractions there are, for whatever sin is causing us to be held captive, help us to know and understand that our identity is set in you. Help us to see the richness of Christ in our lives. Set our hearts and minds on you, on the things of above. Help us to to be as Jesus was, to be one body united in his love. Lord, we ask this not for ourselves. We ask this for, for your namesake and for your glory alone. Amen. Just as we do every week, um, why don't you take a moment now to reflect on what God may have been speaking to you, uh, and then Jez will be up in a moment. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you that you are the one who raised us from death to life. And that because of that, we are seated with Christ. We pray that you, by your spirit, would empower us to set our hearts and minds on things above and not the things below. You'd help us to put off the old self and to put on the new, knowing that we are already made new in Christ. You'd strengthen us to live out the truth of this reality. And Father, we pray that you would do this not that it might be our personal transformation project, but that it might that it might be for your glory, as you transform us into the image of the one who saved us, of Jesus Christ Himself. We pray all of this that you might be glorified in your people. Amen. Well, we're going to reflect in a different way now. If you wanted to grab those Connect cards, uh, they're a great opportunity to thank anyone who has served us this afternoon, to ask any questions, or if you need any info about connecting up. With the community here at City Light, we'd love to hear from you. Cam, who was speaking to us just before, will be the one who gets in touch with you about that. Um, but we would love to hear from you. And, uh, and after this, we're going to respond pretty appropriately to this hearing what we've heard in song. Um, and during that time, those slips will be collected up as well. So take a moment to fill those out, and then we'll come back together in song in just a moment.
you like to stand, we're going to sing together.